nailed it. Some of our best work. (laughs) Truly. I I think we just keep getting better and better. With age. Like a fine wine. Or a cheese. Or a stinky old cheese. Stinky old cheese. Stinky stinky old cheese, babe. (laughs) Just getting riper with age. You know? Welcome back to our hairspray (laughs) podcast. That's our next venture. Yeah, that's our next pivot. Honestly, hairspray podcast. Um, no, but welcome back. <laughs> no, no, but let's get serious. Welcome I'm back around. to Honestly. <laughs> A horror cast. With Zoe and Logan. That was Logan. And that was Zoe. I almost said just a podcast, and it's not. You know, I was thinking the other day, only the other day, <laughs> the only time I've thought ever in my life, and I was like, for the last episode, did we say horror cast? We must have. But I, like, don't I remember. It just comes so natural it to us. so naturally. But I did have, like, that moment of second-guessing myself. I didn't go back and actually listen to the episode to see. Like, I didn't go back yeah. and check. But I was like, did we? Well, just trust us. You know, if you don't know what you're listening to, that's your own fault. <laughs> welcome, though. Welcome back. <laughs> or welcome. It's nice to have you here. Um, wow. We are six episodes in. Wow. Which means it's time to talk about Saw 6. 2009. <laughs> we had to put all of our things, all of our things down. We did do so many things hand in our brackets. Hands. We did, yeah. It's the hand brackets are perhaps the most important part of the podcast and the franchise. <laughs> and I dare say. I say the franchise? Look, I'll say it. I'll say it. And that's very brave of you to say, and I would agree wholeheartedly. As always, we're gonna get into spoilies, so be warned. We'll do the warning now. Yeah, warning up front, if you haven't seen Saw 6 2009, pause this, go watch it, and then come come on back and enjoy. And enjoy the key players that we're going to get right into. (laughs) Starting, as always, we have John Kramer, the Jigsaw Killer, husband, civil engineer, founder of the Urban Renewal Group. I laugh at that every time, and I don't know why. (laughs) Petty King, piranha enthusiast, and alive only in our hearts and the numerous flashbacks we'll get during this film. Piranha. Piranha. And we've always said that. We've literally always said that. <laughs> then we have Detective Lieutenant Mark Hoffman, okay. homicide detective working for the Metropolitan Police Department, mm-hmm. still don't know where, Jigsaw Apprentice, Pouty King, yep. still the most conspicuous someone hiding something has ever looked, and continuing not only John's work, but also Strom's work as the number one Jill ante. <laughs> That's his job now. Strom passed the torch. He said, I have to finish my boyfriend's work. Yeah. And he did. And he really Then, did. of course, the woman of the hour. We have Jill Tuck, John's ex-wife, here to see through John's final wishes and also piss off Hoffman at every turn, which, in all fairness, might also be part of his wishes. So... I have no choice but to think it would be. Then we have Special Agent Dan Erickson, mm-hmm. works for the FBI, and he's naked and vulnerable without his Bluetooth headset in this one. The last film was an additional character. You really outdo yourself. You, you, self? You, you, self. Whoa, you, let's try this again. You really outdo yourself Thank with you. these every time. Thank you. God he's almighty. He's naked and he's afraid. <laughs> then we have Special Agent Lindsay Perez, also works for the FBI on the Jigsaw Killer case, and the now reopened Seth Baxter case. 
Dun, dun, dun. Strom's former partner. Surprise! Not actually dead. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> bitch. That was a surprise to everyone. <laughs> Not actually dead. And the only person who seems to be suspicious of the very suspicious acting, Mark Hoffman. She's the only one who looks even kind of like, what are you up to? Yeah, no, she suspects something. Then we have William Easton, who's a health insurance exec, mm-hmm. senior vice president of membership and claims for the Umbrella Health Insurance Company. Yeah, he is. Developed a complex formula to make the decisions to approve and deny claims, donor to Jill's Homeward Bound Clinic, and over John shit from meeting number one. He said, nope, I'm over this. Then we have Pamela Jenkins. Queen. Another person with a very real name. Mm-hmm. Um, local Hoffmans hate this woman. She's a news reporter and investigative journalist known for her sensationalism. Bad at book titles. Please see John Kramer, Conundrum of Carnage. <laughs> No, that title actually fucks so it hard, sucks. though. It does. And she's uh, William Easton's sister. Another sister with a different last name. I was just a trend. Out. Which, we don't see a husband, so hey. Hey. Could be. Could be. Could be. Could be. Then we have Simone and Eddie. No last name. Um, they're predatory money lenders who let people, let people, hello, hello, let people, let people, and hurt people, hurt (laughs) people. (laughs) They let them take out high loans. However, the credits were too high, making it impossible for the people to ever pay them back, sending them plunging into debt. Plunging. They're bad guys. Baddies. Then we just have various employees of Umbrella Health Insurance Company. We have Hank Bourbon. Who has a last name? And it's a very specific last a name. A last name with an accent. An accent. No less. And he's a 52-year-old man. That's so specific. Who works as a janitor. Um, he committed the apparently unforgivable crime of smoking while having high blood pressure yep. and heart disease. Then we have Alan, no last name, a young man who worked as a file clerk. <laughs> then we have Addie, you guessed it, no last name who's a middle-aged woman who worked as William's secretary. We don't know her last name, but we do know that she comes from a family with a history of diabetes. I'm just going to interject here and say, calling her middle-aged, I think, is generous. Kind, right? I I had the same thought. I would have put her at slightly older than... Like an than older me. woman. Yeah, I mean, like, unless people are living to, like, 120 these days, I just they think... They could be. Calling her middle-aged is a bit of a stretch. It's, yeah. And family history of diabetes, mm-hmm. so... Then we have Debbie, also no last name, mm-hmm. who's lead counsel for the company and defended the corporation if any clients tried to take legal action. Yeah. Then we have Dave, Josh, Gina, Shelby, Aaron, and Emily, no last name, who are just insurance inspectors. <laughs> then, God, this is a star-studded cast. Truly. We have the Abbots. Um, once again, literally just grieving members of a family. Harold Abbott, he was a client of Umbrella Health. Mm-hmm. His coverage was denied, and he succumbed to heart disease. Yeah. Then we have Tara Abbott, his widow, and Brent Abbott, the son. We also get familiar faces. We get Amanda Young, Seth Baxter, Angelina Acove, <laughs> Jeff Denlin, 
Dr. Lynn Dunlin, Corbett Dunlin, Corbett, Corbett, Peter Corbett. Strom, and Cecil Adams. Kings and queens of the new broken, broken scene. scene. <laughs> Let's get into the plot, shall we? We shall. Okay, so Eddie and Simone wake up in a room. Each of them wearing a helmet with screws aimed at their temples. A videotape informs them that they have 60 seconds to cut off their flesh and throw it on a scale. (laughs) (laughs) That seems like a super reasonable amount of time for such a task. (laughs) Just super reasonable. And this is aptly called Pounded Pounded Flesh. (laughs) So, you know what time it is. Let's unpack these traps. Pounded Flesh. The room is divided in half by two metal grates. Between the metal grates is a large scale. In both sections of the room, there's a table with various tools, knives, meat cleavers, etc., etc., etc. Even. even. Um, attached to the table by chains. Each of the victim had a mechanical device on their heads with screws pointing at their temples. Once the game began, the victims had 60 seconds. That's crazy. No, that's insane. To use the tools to cut off their own flesh and throw it on the scale. Whoever managed to sacrifice more flesh would survive, while the other one would be killed by the device on their heads, as the screws would then pierce their skull. Pound of flesh. Nar. But then we do have the little message, as per usual. It says, hello. No hello and welcome. Just hello. hello. <laughs> Me doing the tapes. Hey. hey. <laughs> no, ours would be, hi. <laughs> I want to play a game. Is that okay? If it's not, it's totally cool. No worries. No, for sure, Metropolitan Police, go on. Wee, 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 wee. Oh, they're here to take us. <laughs> Coming to get us. The devices on your heads are symbolic of the shackles you place upon others. Incredible. You recklessly loan people money, knowing their financial limitations, counting on repossessing more than they could ever pay back. You are predators, but today you become the prey, and it is your own pound of flesh that I demand. (laughs) The scale before you is your only path to freedom. (laughs) However, only one of you may pass, And the toll is the ultimate sacrifice. The sacrifice of flesh. Every time, it's just like he's trying to hit word count. Yeah. It's like the ultimate sacrifice. The sacrifice, that is ultimate. The (laughs) ultimate one that you will make. You'll be sacrificing your flesh. (laughs) Your flesh. The sacrifice of flesh. Before you are the instruments to exact this flesh, move with haste now. For when the 60 second timer hits zero... The one who has given the most flesh will release their bindings, while the gears on your opponent's head will engage, piercing their skull. Who will offer the most flesh in order to save their life? The choice is yours. So true, King. (laughs) So Eddie quickly gains the lead by cutting fat from his stomach. He's a big guy. Yeah, and like everything that I was looking at where they have the plot written, they kept referring to him as like Obese. overweight Eddie. <laughs> and I was there like, he is. Like, okay, I don't think we need to be doing all of that. <laughs> um, and then at the, le- uh, blah, blah, blah. at the 11th hour, Simone chops off her yeah. arm and throws it on the scale, resulting in her survival and Eddie's death. Shortly afterward, Hoffman is called to the crime scene by Erickson who informs him that Strom's fingerprints were found on the scale and Eddie's corpse. 
it is also revealed that Perez, who supposedly died after being injured in Saw 4, is still alive. Surprise! She faked her death with Erickson's help to keep her safe until the identity of John Kramer's remaining accomplice was caught. I think, I do think that's funny that mm. she, like, faked her death because it's like, girl, be serious. You know what I mean? Like, he <clears> wasn't, <throat> he wasn't after you in that way. Yeah. The one trap that you got got by was your He fault. said, don't walk here. And yeah. she said, oh, here <laughs> where I'm walking. Yeah, like, that was, that was kind of on you. Yeah, girl. that was, you know, but. I feel like maybe you didn't have to do all that, but. Yeah. Yeah, like, you were, you were never the target. <laughs> you weren't. But. But sure. go off. We love, you know, the dramatics. <laughs> um, what did I say? Oh, yeah, she faked her death with Erickson's help, blah, blah, blah. Um, following this reveal, Hoffman agrees to work with Erickson and Perez. Later, Hoffman visits Jill at her clinic to retrieve five envelopes containing photographs of the next game's test subjects from the box she received from John's executor. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Yeah, I Hell said yeah. it. Turn and it I'll off say now. it again. Executor. Executor. <laughs> Executor. I've learned a thing or two. <laughs> what do you know about that? <laughs> you just mess up the next word. Is <laughs> that so like, wait, where was I? Um, Hoffman demands to set up the game alone and leaves the clinic with the envelopes. He yeah, he's not. He's off. not a team player. He's also sitting in the lobby reading a pamphlet. Now. I mean, certainly pretending He's to read. He's holding a pamphlet yeah. with words yeah. on it. And that's that. <laughs> that's that, baby. Oh, yeah, I said in my notes that he is not capable of looking inconspicuous. No, just this big man in this little waiting room. Yeah. <laughs> like, overdressed for the occasion. Yeah, he sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Uh, so... The game takes place at the, you guessed it, abandoned <laughs> Rowan Zoological, Zoological, Zoological Institute. Abandoned Rowan Zoological <laughs> Institute. Executor. Take that. And focuses on William Easton and his associates, whose company's dubious business policy turned down their clients' coverage for medical treatment. It's not like you said doobie. Like, instead of, like, they doobie doobie. They doobie doobie. They doobie doobious. <laughs> Scooby doobie doobious. They do be turning down their clients' coverage. Um, and this is ultimately William's trial. William's trial. Um, again, I put all caps here, abandoned, Rowan Zoological Institute. Because it's abandoned. And it's another one of those where he has a series of challenges to go through. There are games within there the game. There are games within games, yeah. mini games even. Within 60 minutes, he had to face a series of tests in order to save his sister. Four explosive straps were attached to his limbs, Hoffman's influence no doubt, and secured with key locks. Each bracelet contains a charge that would rip his limbs if he didn't complete each game in time or tried to move forward and evade the test. After each test, he would attain the key to one of the straps. Um, he also takes off the same strap mm. multiple times. Like We <laughs> yeah. see him take it off, and then he's wearing it seconds later and takes it off again. Um, but it, again, he's welcomed to the game. Mm -hmm. Hello, William. <laughs> You've probably been wondering when we would see each other again. Today is that day. For years, your probability formula has decided the fates of others. The healthy have benefited while the potentially sick have been unjustly rejected. 
However, this formula does not take into account the human will to live. When faced with death, who should live versus who will live are entirely separate things. Today, your policy will be put to the test. <laughs> so speaking of tests, <laughs> in the first test, William and his janitor, Hank, wake Hank up- Borbon. Hank Bourbon. Hank Bourbon, yes, sorry, let's use his full government name. He's the only one who got one. <laughs> and they really, they put their whole, yeah. their whole effort into his saw, last name. Saw a C. Yeah, I was gonna say they put their whole pussy into it, and then I was like, I've never said that before in my life, why would I start now? I mean, now's as good a time as any. But yeah, they put their whole saw a C into giving him a last name with an accent and everything. Bourbon. So him and his janitor, Hank Borbaugh, wake up and find themselves trapped in large vice-like contraptions. Mm -hmm. Like a vice. Like so vice-like? Like it's just a vice, I guess. But That um, happens so much with these movies where they're like, a large helmet-like contraption. So I'm like, so a helmet. So a helmet is what you're saying. Um, vice-like contraptions with breathing masks on their face. And this is... The oxygen crusher. I will say all the traps in this have such metal sounding names. Yeah, the they go hard. Yeah. They're all band names, actually. No, they really I are. Think they, like, yeah, yeah. As we go on, these are all sick band names. They, yeah. So, as mentioned, the victims of this first trap are William and Hank Bourbon. <laughs> Both men are trapped in two identical contraptions that consisted of two metal clamps or vice vices. <laughs> Some might call them. Gripping their bodies from the side. They were kept in position by chains, uh-huh, around their arms and leather restraints mm -hmm. around their stomachs, mm -hmm. uh-huh. Yeah. Both of them had oxygen masks secured to their faces. Once the game began, a highly sensitive pump measured their breathing. So each time one took a breath, the clamps would close in on their chest, eventually crushing their bodies. Yeah. The only way to survive was the death of the other person. <laughs> So, once the game was over, the clamps around the winner's body released them, and the chains would be opened automatically. The little message. <laughs> Starting now. You are not alone in this game. Just if you... Hello? Hello? Just as you've taken loved ones away from their families. If you don't reach the end before the timer hits zero, you will never see your family again. Here's your first test. Your health and hereditary background puts you in the highest category of success. However, the same cannot be said for your adversary at only 52 years of age. Only 52 years of age. This man has continued to smoke even though he has a history of high blood pressure and heart disease. This demonstrates very little appreciation of the blessings of his own life. Your game will focus on the simple element of air. <laughs> Once this game begins, every time you take a breath, the clamps around your chest will close in and crush your body. The only way to escape is in the other's failure. So I ask you, when faced with death, who will survive? Live or die, William. Make your choice. And, uh, yeah, he does. Um, so as a heavy smoker, Hank cannot hold his breath longer than William and is ultimately killed by yeah. the vice-like contraptions. Um, while William is released from the trap and proceeds to his other three tests to unlock the remaining bomb shackles from his lips. <laughs> bomb shackles would also be a good band name. This is just, like, the most, like, quintessential saw trap. Yeah. Where it's, like... This guy who we can all agree is a bad person. Yeah. And then just an old guy who smokes. 
But John hates smokers. He does. He hated Adam. <laughs> well, give me that. Give me that sweet, sweet cancer. Just kidding. That was wrong no. of Adam to say. He shouldn't have said that. And he it, paid the ultimate price. It made John angry. Um, so for his second test, William must pick up the ends of two chains connected to small platforms. His file clerk, Alan, stands on one platform, while his secretary, middle-aged Addie... <laughs> middle-aged Addie, that's her full name. ...stands on the other. Both of them have a noose made of barbed wire around their necks. And this is the gallows. This is also where we realized that it was a zoo. That they bought a zoo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they bought a zoo. Hoffman bought a zoo. It wasn't immediately obvious that they were in a zoo. And not only are they in a zoo, but they're in the Toronto Zoo. Yes. We know that place. We literally been there. We were like, they're in some sort of tank. <laughs> Why are they in there? They, was, they were in the aquarium they section. Were. For the gallows. The gallows. So victims were Addie and Alan, mm-hmm. of no last name, and no fixed address. <laughs> Located inside a large, empty aquarium. Yep. yep it's there. <laughs> it is there. Each person with... Persian. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Executor. <laughs> Executor. You center yourself with that. Each person was standing on a small platform with their hands strapped behind their backs with leather, no doubt. Additionally, both victims had a noose made of barbed wire around their necks. In front of the aquarium was a panel with two handles attached to chains. William had to take the handles. However, only one of them could be saved. So he had to let go of one of the handles in order to save the other person. Once William made his choice... Both victims were released from their straps, and the platform on one sacrifice would fall back, causing the person to be hung from the barbed wire noose. Bummer. And this is, again, where they get, like, the way they pick people feels insane, (laughs) because let me read you their little message. Hello, William, again. (laughs) Like, every time do you have to say, hello, William? It's like when you're emailing back and forth with somebody, and, like, you're like, hi, so-and-so, and and then they email back, and they're like, hi, "Hi, so-and-so, and and then you're replying, and you're like, hi, and then you keep doing that, and it's like, when when can I stop this? When can we stop stop the charade? (laughs) Hello, William. Standing on the platforms behind me are two of your colleagues. One, your file clerk, young, healthy male with no living relatives. The other... A middle-aged woman with a family history of diabetes. According to your policy, your secretary is older and weaker, and therefore less worthy to survive. But you know the loss that she will be to her family, while young Alan will disappear without a blip on the world's radar. Insane. That's crazy. Insane. Only one can exit this room, and the choice of whom falls upon you. You must let go of the one to save the life of the other. As you can see, the choice is not so clear when you're face-to-face with the people whose blood will stain your hands. Let the games begin. (laughs) And they do. They do. Uh, So yeah, Addie is mentioned to have a family history of diabetes, whereas Alan is healthy, but apparently has no friends or relatives or anybody who would even notice (laughs) if he fell off the face of the earth. Um, So ultimately, William decides to save Addie. He didn't even really think about it that hard either. (laughs) Which results in Alan's death. As his platform falls back and the noose hangs him. This is also we got we forgot to say that Billy's there. I when you said like standing behind me yeah. and I was like, wait, and I was like, oh my god, yes. He's dangling. Billy like 
comes down from the ceiling. And then he goes back up. Like the stunt queen He's that he very is. very theatrical and we love him for it. It was incredible. It was so nice to see him. Um, so then uh, William heads over to the zoo's boiler room. You know. Sure. Why not? <laughs> and encounters his third test in which his company's attorney, Debbie, has 90 seconds to find her way through a maze. That's so short. To retrieve a key and deactivate a device strapped to her body. And this is the Steam the Maze. Steam, another great band. Yeah. So, as mentioned, it's in the boiler room. And it's divided into two levels. Debbie's chained to a wall on the lower floor. And a device was strapped to her chest, which would activate after 90 seconds and shoot a metal rod through her head. Once the game began, she had to progress through the room via a passage. The passage was enclosed by a cage, giving her very little room for movement. To survive, she had to rely on the help of William, who was positioned on the above catwalk. At two points in her passage, there were two small tunnels to crawl through, blocked by steam coming from a row of pipes with high pressure. When she reached one of the passages, William had to pull a lever and divert the steam and cause it to burn his arms and shoulders so she could get through. Once she made it to the end, there was a ladder leading to a small room. And then inside of that room were photos that told her the key to the trap around her chest was hidden uh. inside of William. <laughs> and she was given a power saw to cut it out. Yeah. And then we have... Hello, William, again. <laughs> you have seen the flaws in your policy, but what you have not seen is the extent some people will go to when faced with death. The lawyer from your firm has 90 seconds to cross this room, or the device attached to her chest will discharge and pierce her brain. She will find that the journey across this room is filled with danger. <laughs> That's really putting it like. <laughs> the journey across this room is filled with danger. In order for her to make it, you will need to be there for her, as it is you who ultimately holds the key to her survival. When faced with death, will she have the skills to live? Let the game begin. Let the games begin, baby. Filled with danger. <laughs> she will find. This room is kind of... Filled with danger. Like, fill Has anybody ever told you this room is like filled, filled with, with danger? danger? I don't know. Just a Just thought. A fill of danger. So upon reaching the end of the maze, Debbie finds several photos and realizes that the key yeah. to her trap is inside William's body. And she attacks him with a circular saw. Of course. She doesn't even think about it. You kind of have to respect yeah, that. Yeah, she just goes She's like lunges. Um, but William bites her off until the timer expires and the trap is activated, resulting in Debbie's death. Bye, Debbie. Bye, Debbie. Bye. <laughs> when William reaches his fourth test, he finds six of his associates. Aaron, Emily, Gina, Dave, Shelby, and Josh. Strapped to a carousel. And it's not just any <laughs> carousel. It's a shotgun carousel. That would be our band name. That's a sick shotgun band name. carousel. Yeah. So the six victims were chained to the grab poles of a rotating merry-go-round, as one is. Um, once the game began, the carousel would spin and stop occasionally, placing one of the victims directly in front of the barrel of a mounted shotgun. Not a great place to be. <laughs> On a pedestal outside the enclosure is a small box with two buttons. 
Every time the carousel came to a standstill, William had to press both buttons simultaneously in order to save the victim in front of the shotgun. Once he pressed the button, his hands would be pierced by a metal spike, but the shotgun would go into an upright position and fire off the shot without harming anyone. However, only two of the six could be saved. He says, hello, William. <laughs> Before you are six of your most valuable associates, the ones who find errors in policies, their findings result in over two thirds of all applications denied or prematurely terminated. <laughs> now you must apply your analysis to them. And will you be able to find their errors? <laughs> six ride the carousel. <laughs> I love this part. I love that when he just turns into like Rumpelstiltskin. Six ride the carousel. And he just starts speaking in riddles. <laughs> So normal. None of this is normal. Let's be clear. There's people strapped to a carousel with a shotgun. But it's like speaking as normal as it can get. And then it's like six ride the carousel. But only two can get off. The decision of which two survive falls upon you. But remember, <laughs> remember this. The mounted gun will continue to fire until all six rounds are spent. And if no decision is made on your part, all six will perish. To offer the two reprieves, you must press both buttons at once in the box. However, in doing so, you will give a sacrifice of your own. Two can live, four will die. Your decision is symbolized by the blood of your hands. As I was reading that, at the start of six, ride the carousel, I realized that he sounds like Mr. X, like the man who is threatening to kill One Direction. One will fall! Five arrows! <laughs> I think we're piecing it together. <laughs> I think Mr. X was Jigsaw all along. <laughs> wow. Six ride to the carousel. I think you're onto something. <laughs> Two will fall. Wow. <laughs> um, eventually, William saves Emily and Shelby girl power, um, and continues on to reach the end of his game. There, I, I don't really understand his reasoning for who he no. saves and who he doesn't, but... One of them said they were pregnant, and the other one has children. Those are the two he I saved? I think so. One, the one who said, I have kids, you met them, he saves her. Right. And I, I think the other... The <laughs> I think, actually, no, I think he did. And I was so like, it's just the other woman? The other woman, the other woman. Um, okay, so at the same time that William's game is occurring, Erickson and Perez continue their investigation. Upon examining Eddie's corpse, the pathologist, Dr. Adam Hefner, uh, discovers that the jigsaw piece cut from his skin has been removed with a different type of knife than the pieces of most oh. of the other victims. Finally, some good work being done. <laughs> By the investigators. By the Metropolitan <laughs> Police Department. The only victim whose jigsaw piece was cut out with the same blade is Seth Baxter, huh. the murderer of Hoffman's sister Angelina. <laughs> Angelina Acom? That's the one. Oh. As a different t knife had been used, the agents suspect that the voice on the instruction tapes of their respective traps might also belong to somebody else. The tape from Seth Baxter's trap is sent to the technical lab to be analyzed. 
Hoffman is called away by Erickson to the audio lab, where he is put under pressure. Under pressure. Erickson reveals that examining Strom's fingerprints at the crime scene of Eddie's death showed that Strom must have already been dead by the time those fingerprints were left there. Just as the tape is restored and Hoffman's voice becomes recognizable, he attacks and kills Erickson, (laughs) Perez, and the technician, Sachi. They've literally (laughs) cornered a wild animal and he's lashed out at them is quite literally what happens. I mean, what do you expect? I also, this is a great part because um, Perez goes into like really in-depth like jargon about what they found and why and Erickson comes over and goes, she means Freon (laughs) at Hoffman. Like he just knew this guy's not going to get it. I have to (laughs) say it to him in plain English. And then Hoffman goes, "Mm." Mm. Mm. (laughs) but pouty. Yeah, well, Mm. (laughs) that goes without saying. Um, So then flashbacks reveal that Hoffman took Strom's severed hand after his death in Saw 5. I'm sure he took it. I'm sure he did. And he didn't do anything questionable with it. Or untoward. And he used it to leave the fingerprints at the crime scenes. He does the same thing again, planting Strom's fingerprints all over the lab before setting the room on fire and fleeing the scene. And boy does he Boy does he flee. He do be fleeing. The way this man runs up the stairs is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. It needs the Squidward tentacles like noises. Yeah. He is somehow flexing like a gorilla <laughs> and his arms remain in that position as he hop 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 yeah. up the stairs. Just no notes. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Meanwhile, Jill receives a copy of a letter written to Amanda. Jill takes the letter and a trap device from her aforementioned box and drives to the abandoned zoo. She leaves the letter in Hoffman's surveillance room and puts the trap into a locker. Moments later, when Hoffman enters the room to observe the final part of William's game, it's giving Boyer, um, he is shocked to find the letter. He's shocked. (laughs) Flashbacks show that while she was still an addict, Amanda urged her boyfriend, Cecil Adams, to rob Jill's clinic, which ultimately, as we all remember, resulted in Jill's miscarriage. Hoffman had learned of Amanda's involvement and forced her to kill Dr. Lynn Denlin, anticipating that Lynn's husband, Jeff, would kill Amanda in return. At this point, Jill re-enters the room and subdues Hoffman (laughs) with an electric shock. (laughs) Like an animal! He needs to be treated as such. It just reminds me like in King Kong, while he's like climbing up and the helicopters are going, mm-hmm. they're shooting him and you're like, oh, you kind of feel sad that they're yeah, like... you feel very sad for King like, Kong. You're like, oh no, he's so big and he's just dumb. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel here. That's exactly how I feel here. He's very big and dumb. But anyway, back to William's trial. He reaches the final room of his test just before the timer expires and finds himself between two cages. Trapped in the first one is his sister, Pamela Jenkins, <laughs> our girl Pam, um, while Tara and Brent Abbott are in the other. We forgot to mention how we're introduced. Well, we, we've seen Pam in a previous movie. Yes. No. Briefly. But she goes to try to get some information from Hoff in the hallway, mm-hmm. and he, for some reason, is speaking to her in a transatlantic accent. <laughs> He's like, why, Pamela, I would never give you that information. Like, it's just all, like, who is that? (laughs) Who is that? What a 
is that character we're doing? Because I would like to see more of it. Well, and also, there's a scene... Oh, yes. <laughs> ...where Jill and Pam, or girl Pammy, interact. I don't even remember, like, at what point this happens. Um... But it just was very much, it was very much giving Pornhub. Like it It, was, it was the lead up to something that we didn't see. It, I just felt like, "Mm, this looks very familiar. Their shirts, their hair, their glasses. No, the, the styling of both of them. The fogginess. Was giving very much like brazzers. Like, like porn intro. Like I just. It felt very, like, very specific and very intentional. Yeah, it was intentional. I was um, like, something's going to happen here. And but I we just, didn't see that part. We didn't see that part, and I felt that was a little rude. <laughs> um, I wanted to see Jenkins and Tuck just go at it. Jenkins and Tuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Pamela. Pamela. Um, oh yeah, so Tara and Brent are in the other cage. Tara and Brent are, of course, the widow and son of Harold yeah. Abbott who um, died of heart disease after William denied the coverage of his treatment costs, um, which could have saved his life potentially. Um, And this is the Acid Room. Another great band name. So good. So the room is divided into three sections. Sections with Pam and then a section with Tara and Brent, separated by the main entrance. In both sections were large tanks containing hydrofluoric acid, which... Brett recognizes like right away. Like they're not labeled. No. He's just like, oh, that. Oh, that. Hydrofluoric acid. That's acid. <laughs> Which makes me suspicious about him. No, I was very suspicious of this it child. It was giving a certain vibe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like him. Yeah. There was something going on there. The tank in the left room was connected to the sprinklers at the ceiling. William had to reach the enclosures within 60 minutes. Otherwise, Pamela would be killed by the acid coming from the sprinklers. The tank in the second enclosure, where Tara and Brent were, was connected to a contraption in the (laughs) middle of the room by several tubes. A lot of tubes happening, too. This contraption was mounted to the ceiling. It was a large, heavy metal grid with long needles attached to it. Additionally, there was a panel with a lever in the enclosure with the words live and die written (laughs) above and below, very on the nose. Mm -hmm. In front of the cage was a pressure plate on the bottom, which supplied the panel with power. If the lever was set to live, all participants in the game would survive. (laughs) However, if it was set to die, the contraption in the center of the room would swing down and pierce the body of William. And would be injected with acid and uh, dissolved from the inside, uh, which is gross. Really, really gnarly. And then we get a message that's not directed to William. And it says, hello, Tara. (laughs) My apologies for exposing you and your son to this kind of treatment, but I can assure you it's not without reason. The man before you just made the sacrifices to save the life of a loved one. However, when given the opportunity to save your husband's life, he chose not to. Now you will be given the power to save a life. Will you grant this man the opportunity to continue living, or will you dispense the same death sentence he issued your husband? Live or die, the choice is yours. It always is. (laughs) Um, Despite her desire for revenge, Tara can't bring herself to kill William. However, her little psycho of a son, Brent, has no qualms about killing and pulls the lever next to the acid tank. Metal grid swings down from the ceiling, pierces William's body, and uh, several needles inject 
hydrofluoric acid into his yeah. body, causing him to die painfully oh, yeah. as his body is slowly dissolved from the inside. Gnarly. Yeah, like that does sound pretty fucking painful. Yeah, it looks bad. Really gooey. Oh, so much goo. A goo? A goo? A goo? A goo. Um, at the same time, Jill straps Hoffman to the armrest of his and chair. And he liked it. You know that he was into that. Um, and he locks the trap device on his head. This contraption resembles the reverse bear trap previously used to test Amanda Young. Yeah, it's the reverse bear trap 2.0. And we're familiar with her game. Um, frontal part of the trap hooked his upper jaw and lower jaw. Once the game began, the trap would burst open and thereby rip his face apart if he wasn't able to free himself before the time goes off. Reverse bear trap 2, electric boogaloo. Boogaloo. So uh, Hoffman wakes up and Jill reveals that there was, there was a sixth envelope in the box which oh. contained a photo of him. John's final request was for Hoffman to be tested. Jill says... <laughs> Game over, bitch. Gatorade wet towel. <laughs> I forgot I wrote that. <laughs> anyway, she basically says like game over, um, and leaves the room, intending not to give Hoffman any chance to survive. However, you can't keep a bad bitch down, no. and Hoffman uses the trap to smash his hand and freeze himself from the chair. He then pushes the front of the trap between two metal bars on the door window to prevent it from opening completely. He manages to pull his head out of the trap, but is heavily injured as his right cheek is brutally torn open. And you know what? You gotta give it up to Hop. That was smart. Hey. That was smart. When he's right, he's right. Yay. We'll give credit where credit is due. And then, you might think the movie's over. However. It's never over. There's a post-credit scene. And in that scene, we see Amanda go to the cell where Corbett is trapped from the earlier movie, and knowing that it would be Hoffman who would free Corbett, Amanda warns her not to trust the one who will save her. It is implied that this warning was an act of revenge by Amanda against him after she read his blackmail letter. And that's Saw 6, baby. Saw 6, baby. Another one. Bites the dust. Um, Oh, I made the important note. Note. Executor. Executor. Yeah, I can say that, but you can't. <laughs> They've turned it off by this point. Um, I said the only functional establishments in this nondescript <laughs> city. We have police department, mm-hmm. insurance company, yes. methadone clinic, yep. <laughs> and more than one hospital. That's a fully functioning town, baby. That's all you need. That's all you need. And there's also street festivals. <laughs> Yes, those are operating for as well. Lunar New Year. Yeah. Um, and then at one point we do see a license yes. plate, which I did make Zoe rewind to yeah. go back so that we could really hone in on that. And um, again, very nondescript. It just says Fairweather State, which I did Google that, and that does not. It's, it's nothing. Not, it's not attributed to any state. It's nothing. We had a glimpse of where we are, mm-hmm. and they said, "Would you like to know?" And we said, "Yeah." <laughs> The best kept secret of the Saw universe is where where the the fuck are they? Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Johnny. Where in the world is Johnny Sandiego? Are you ready to bingo? Always. We, I thought we weren't close to a bingo, but we actually, we could have gone there. We could have. 
So the bingos that we got today, we haven't, we don't have a bingo. We didn't make it yet. But on our card, the mm-hmm. ones that we checked off, our character calls out hello or is anybody there? Because <laughs> one thing about these people, when they wake up in a trap, yeah. they're going to go hello, hello as if someone's going to answer them. <laughs> um, we, of course, have the free space. Mark that down. Mm-hmm. We have character miraculously survives, which should have been a fatal attack. Because Hoffman gets out of that reverse bear trap. Yeah. I know. And also, Erickson is stabbed in the neck, mm-hmm. and he's still kicking by the time Hoffman goes in to pour gas on them. Yes, which I found unbelievable. Yeah, like, he, he would have been gone, girl. Um, we have ending leaves room for a sequel. Yeah. Of course. Big time. And we have boobs within the first 20 minutes which is an optional one if we're counting Hoffman's big naturals and we are which we always are <laughs> one thing about us we're counting those it's time for goofs gaffs fun facts anything you got i know you've got something i've got a fun fact that i've been waiting since the beginning of us covering Saw to discuss. <laughs> and we're covering it. And we're finally there. I would love to hear it. And that is that between Saw 6 and Saw 3D, there was a VH1 reality show called Scream Queens, where 10 unknown actresses competed for their roles in the Saw franchise. Shut up. The show debuted on October 20th, 2008. James Gunn directed the contestants during acting challenges. Shawnee Smith was a mentor, and John Homa, who's an acting coach, provided instruction. All three also acted as judges. The season one winner was Tiandra Howard, who was crowned Scream Queen and won breakout role in Saw 6, and she is pound of flesh, Trap. Shut up! She won a reality show to be on there. How do I have no recollection of that show? I was like, Logan's gonna love this fun fact. I do love that fun fact, and I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that. So I was waiting. I was like, Logan's going to see it before we get there. The shock. Oh, my God. The same. She was a good screen queen. She was. She won a lot of the challenges. There's a Nick DiRamio video about this. Oh, my God. And the title is The Reality Show That Tormented Women for a Horror Movie Role. And um. everyone should go and watch that. The first episode... Mm. One of the challenges is that they have to eat a specific fruit seductively. Mm. So that tells you the kind of wow. show that we were on. VH1 2008. For a horror movie role. Sounds about right. The same episode, um, another one was like posing naked in a bathtub. Mm. And then one was like begging someone not to kill you. Just like begging for your life. Sure. Fantastic. Highly recommend the Nick DiRamio video. Incredible. And that's my fun fact for you. And I've been waiting so long. Such a fun fact. To tell you all about that. Oh my god. So she's the one. She's the one who said... He wanted to he wanted us to learn. And did Hoff you? goes, and did you? <laughs> Which again, that should have been a sign to everyone that he was involved. Why are you seeing this woman who just cut off her arm? He's like, well, did you? He's did the you most learn? suspicious man. Just I, period. Even if he had nothing to do with it, he, he just, would be very suspicious. He's so suspicious. Like, even when you when do we see him for the first time? Like in Saw 3 for like a fleeting moment. Yeah. And like he's on the screen for 10 seconds and you're immediately like what's the deal with him what's the deal what's with that, that guy big doing? guy 
Hey, hey, you kind of moving a lot in the background? He's just like looking shifty. He is. He's like crouching down in his forensics coat. That man is not in forensics. I'm struggling to believe he's part of this department, period. Wait, okay. Yeah, we get first introduced to Hoffman because he's forensic (laughs) detective Hoffman or whatever the fuck. But then didn't know that if he used Strom's dead, dead hand, hand, that the fingerprints would look different okay. or read different. Oh my god, that was the other thing in my notes. They said something about masking agents, and then I made a joke about mask agents. They are mask agents. Mask but for mask. I don't even remember like the context of anything, so it was funnier in the moment. But um, Okay, I found a couple goofs and gaffes. There actually weren't a ton for this movie, which um, was surprising because normally there's about a million. <laughs> um, but I guess they really like tighten their shit up for this one. Um, but right at the beginning, about 12 minutes in, when Detective Mark Hoffman is brought to the scene of the first crime, um, he looks down at Eddie, uh, who is seen breathing. Oh, good. Even though he should be very much dead in that moment. Um, we also have, oh yeah, when William Easton, this is more of a plot hole, when William arrives in the room where his six colleagues are on the carousel, Jigsaw explains to William that he can only save the lives of two of his colleagues, and to do so he must press both buttons simultaneously to prevent the gun from firing at whichever colleague he chooses. However, uh, he only pushes one button down (laughs) with one hand on each occasion, yet this seemingly is enough to prevent the gun from firing at his colleagues negating a key plot point uh, to the game that was clearly explained by Jigsaw. So, there's that. Um, Oh yeah, crew or equipment visible. Um, When William saves Addie from hanging in the aquarium at the zoo, in the last shot as he's walking away, you can see a hand (laughs) pat her on her shoulder. Oh no! I feel like every single movie has that, like, crew visible. Yeah, I know there's at least one. Um, and then about an hour and 24 minutes in, uh, for Detective Mark Hoffman to get his other hand out of the chain, he would have to use the crushed hand. He crushes his one hand to get it out of the restraints, and then he'd Ooh. have to get the other hand out using yeah. the very much broken hand, which um, he really wouldn't be able to do, even if it was like mildly no. broken. The fingers would just wouldn't be capable wouldn't of moving. Moving. Wouldn't moving. They wouldn't moving they in wouldn't the way moving. that they need to do, so that was a factual error as well. <laughs> oh, saw. So that's, that's all I've got for goofs and gaffs this week. Not a lot of goofs and gaffs, but good ones. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> the, the ones, ones I found are were, were are, fun. Are good. Yeah. Now the moment of truth. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about trap survivability. Where do we think? Uh, first of all, this movie, great traps. Yeah, I Some think of the, the traps from this are really, really stellar. Pound of flesh. Um, no, I'm not surviving this. No. I don't have the wherewithal or, like, just the I, the will to live yeah. I get. Like, I just don't think I could, like, 127 hours it and just no. cut my arm off. I think that if it was a team challenge and you could cut off my arm, I could do that. I don't think I could take the knife and cut my arm off. And I just don't think I could do that to you. What if you're just like really quick? But I, I swinging chop, get all your anger and frustration out. But that's chop what, it. that's what Simone was trying to do. And she couldn't get her yeah. arm off in one fell swoop. No. Like she had to, she was hacking at <laughs> she did, it. She did hack. And I just, yeah, maybe if it was just one and done, yeah. 
It's a very sharp and powerful knife. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Maybe. think I could move we'll this. Put one. a little asterisk next to that. Um, but... The oxygen crusher. I can't hold my breath for that long. I have well, asthma. Well, I was going to say, if I was up against <laughs> you, I'd probably survive. win. Because I'd be like, eh, after two seconds. <laughs> it would be done real quick. No, like in John's books, you deserve to die because you yeah, have asthma. Yeah, you have asthma, so. <laughs> and no one would miss you if you were gone. <laughs> like, that's not this true. Whole thing. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess it depends who I'm up against. Yeah, I think... I would not win. Betwixt the two of us? You're making it out. <laughs> I'm winning, I guess. I guess. But I also can't hold my breath for that long, so, like, you could <laughs> maybe, like, beat me to it. Then we have the gallows. Caleb Gallo. Caleb Gallo. Um, again, like, if, like, this is not really one that we could measure. If I was in William's position and it was, like, you and somebody else... Yeah. I'm killing you. <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean, killing like, you straight up. But like, like, let's say it was, um, let's say the other person was Jeff. <laughs> Denlin? Denlin or... Any Jeff. Any man named Jeff. If it was you and Jeff, I'm saving you. <laughs> Thank you. And Jeff can... See you later. Hang in the gallows. <laughs> but Very yeah, this long. one's kind of hard to judge. Sure, yeah. Because like... Are we the two that yeah. are potentially going to get hung by barbed wire and somebody is just arbitrarily picking one or two of us? Like, how would you do that? Who would you <laughs> Who Dear would you pick? Um, Zoe has asthma and doesn't so, deserve to live. Jot that down. So, <laughs> I don't have asthma. <laughs> Make your choice. <laughs> That's it. Those are the choices. Here are medical histories. Um, decide who you think who do you should think? live. Who's worthy we'll of life? We'll post on the website our full medical profile. <laughs> you tell us. We'll do a poll on Twitter and you can decide which one of us deserves to live. <laughs> then we have the steam maze. You and I, we could survive this. Because we work well together. Yeah. Oh, but then you'd have the to cut, cut me open. But here's the thing. Is it somewhere where they would kill, like, I know they have the so big weird. saw, but I'm sure there are other tools available. Tools of the trade. Tools of the trade, even. even. I'm just, I think you're capable of a lot of things. Mm. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I just don't know if I think you're capable cutting of, like... Cutting myself open? Cutting me open okay. with a circular wow, saw. I don't think I have the precision and... <laughs> I don't. <laughs> hey, I love you. <laughs> I but love no. you so much. But you don't. And I do think that you can do anything you set your heart to. Except, except that. And that's fair. I that's just fair. feel we like... We would get to the end of that part. There's a lot... There's a lot of organs. Yeah, that's true. Vital things in there. But if you nick one... Yeah. Although, I present to you, just stab him in the thigh. Okay. So... <laughs> I know now that I could not just cut your thigh open. Yeah. We're learning. We've learned Living, a lot laughing, here today. Every day. Shotgun carousel? Again, that's a hard one to measure. I don't think I could make a case for myself under pressure like that. Be like, tell us why you should survive. Because like, I don't want to be shot in the face. 
Yeah, it's like a pretty gnarly way to go, but yeah, I don't know if I could convince like, oh, like, let's, okay, let's put ourselves in, we've both worked for an insurance company before. Yes. Let's imagine we're on a carousel with four other of our employees uh -huh. from the insurance company. You know company what I'm making about? That you and I both worked at, and we had to convince the manager that yeah. we once shared mm -hmm. to not kill us. Okay. No, we're making it out. The two survivors, us. Unless. <laughs> Unless. I don't want to name any names. Not that nobody's gonna listen to this, but I don't know. It depends. It depends, it depends. Who, on the carousel. Or it depends if anyone had little guys. Ugh, a little guy. A little guy. Broken bones. <laughs> Every broken bone under the sun. Who's to say? For Who's certain. Who's to say? Um, and then again, the uh, acid room. Nope. No. 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 I mean, like, unless, like, I was making the choice whether you lived or yeah. died, I'd say, yeah, live. Yeah. Woo, 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 yippee. That was me flipping the lever. <laughs> and you cake your leg up, too. Woo. Um, yeah, no, I'm not getting out of that. I don't think if I, you know. Oh. No, I mean, like, once <laughs> they decide you're, you're dying, done. you're dying. You're done. And then we have, um, again, our dear friend, the reverse bear trap. I, um, I'm not quick enough. I'm sorry. I don't think I could do anything in 60 seconds. Never mind somehow get this contraption off my head. I yeah. just don't think it's happening for well, me. Well, I mean, like, I hate to say it, but I'm just not as smart as Hoffman in that moment. <laughs> that is really difficult to say. Yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow, but I don't think, again, I don't think I would I, have no, the, the wherewithal to be like, oh, first of all, let me smash my hand. Yeah to get it out of the restraint and then use my broken hand to undo Somehow, the other one, which yeah. I don't know how that worked, and then wedge the bear trap into- it was, a, it was a lot of quick thinking and I don't think I, I think I would need more time to come to that. I don't think quickly. No. Let's think, start think there. <laughs> I do not do that. Dooby dubious. So yeah, I think our chances of survival are pretty low for this yeah. one. Pretty gnarly traps. They're rough, they're not great. So as always, I take a little gander at Letterboxd, look through the reviews for the movie, and pick out some of my favorites. Because if there's one thing people on Letterboxd are going to do, it's be funny as hell. <laughs> and relatable. <laughs> and I love that. So this one is from Ethan. They gave the movie three stars and said, do you think Hoffman or Amanda brushes the little doll's bob? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do. Speaking of bobs, actually, we mm. get a glimpse of Amanda, and her hair is monchiching to levels never seen before. Truly unmatched. It's a foot up in the air. <laughs> so it's, it's like what? Up in the air. No, it is. It's, it's fucking nuts. It's crazy. Her hair gets crazier and crazy <laughs> with every movie. Um, this review is from Jemmy. They gave the movie four stars and said, Amanda and John rolling up to dunk on Hoffman for like 10 minutes straight is the best scene in cinematic history. <laughs> yes, the sibling rivalry we yeah. get in this is great. She basically calls Hoffman a dumb ape. She's like, you're still dragging your knuckles on the ground. What do you know about life? And like, we literally did just compare him to King yeah, Kong like, and moments ago. She's right. She's never been wrong. Um, this one is from Lauren and they gave the movie four and a half stars. They said, Mark Hoffman is constantly pouting because he's waiting for a man to kiss him. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he killed the chance that he had. He killed the one man who wanted to kiss him. Uh, this one's from Brie. They gave the movie five stars and said, John invented call-out culture. <laughs> he did. He did. Evan gave the movie three stars and said, this movie is literally just a bunch of people telling Hoffman he's leaving a shit ton of evidence and yet he still does nothing to change it. Why is that so real? It's true. That's the plot of the movie. It really is. It's just I'm going, Hoff, you're being really obvious. And he's like, "Mm -hmm." he's like, okay. Stomp, 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 stomp. Um, this one's from Larry. They also gave the movie five stars and they said, what would have happened to everyone if William just died in the oxygen crusher? Do they all just get to go home? <laughs> Great question, actually. <laughs> what happens then? Like, I... Hoffman stomps in and undoes everybody. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I feel like it would kind of be like a jury duty situation where, like, if you don't get selected, yeah, then you, you just, just get to home. go home. Or maybe it would be Hank Borbaugh Hank doing Borbaugh. the whole thing. <laughs> Like choose if these people live or die. I don't know. You went. You smoked. This random custodian. Like, like, go ahead. You smoked and you have high blood pressure, so it's practically the same thing. You're evil, also. Um, Tibby gave the movie three and a half stars and said, "Mark Hoffman cringe fail moments compilation." (laughs) (laughs) That should be the title. That's the movie. And then last but not least, Amelia gave the movie five stars and said, imagine going through all of that just to have someone else decide to kill you. That's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) They're crazy for that one. They're crazy for that one. God bless Letterboxd. I was going to say, as always, we (laughs) salute you. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Also, you can follow us on Letterboxd. Yeah. So as always, if you're new here, if this is the first episode you're tuning into, it feels like a crazy choice, but... They just really love Sussex. And hey, I get it. Great film. Uh, we have five categories that we talk about when we're ranking and reviewing these films. Plot, characters, scare factor, acting, and aesthetic. So we're going to go through that now. What do we think of the plot in terms of believability, twists, etc.? I think that coming off of the more convoluted... <laughs> Saw five. <laughs> That's a very gentle way to put it. That this Saw movie is, since like the first one perhaps, mm-hmm. the most like, I get why you're picking these people. Yes. Like it's a very clear like insurance is bad. The healthcare system is bad. Yeah. These people are choosing whether people live or die and it's, you know, changing people's lives <laughs> for the worst. And you know... That it's very on the nose. It is. Coming off the convoluted Saw 5. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I like the plot of this a lot. Insurance companies are evil. Yeah. (laughs) Point blank. Period. Point blank. Period. Um, Yeah, I think the plot is believable. I think the premise makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's certainly a good premise. Especially coming off of Saw (laughs) 5. Yeah, I feel like everything looks a little bit better in comparison to Saw 5. Um, and then, what do we think of the twists? I'd say it's not the twistiest of movies in terms of, like, the Saw cinematic universe, but, um... I think, you know, getting Hoffman in a reverse bear trap. Yeah. Good. 
kind of like finding out that Jill's a bit of a mastermind yeah. of all of this. And then post credit scene. The post credit scene. That's always good. Yeah. So what what do we think for plot out of five saws? I would give it. I would give it a four. I I'm also comfortable with giving it a I four. Think it's a four. I think it's um it's a strong plot. I think so too. I like what they were doing with I it. I see what you've done here. And I and like I respect it. it. Um, what do we think of the characters? We can start with the main characters. Spectacular. I mean A whole movie about Hoffman being big and crazy. Hoffman Again. Cringe fail <laughs> compilation. Perfect. Yeah, no, that's pretty great. Um he really he can carry the movie. Yeah. Which is a testament it's, to his character. It is, and I think that William Easton as a character, a good bad He is a good villain, for sure. I like, I like this one because they take somebody who's just like, oh, they're a normal person. But yeah. It's like, oh, actually, they're the real villain. Yeah, and they're like, yes, you know, other people that John selected, it's like they're just doing their job. Yes. And it's like, yeah, he's just doing his job, but he's also developed something that, like, really makes his job so much worse than it needed to be. Yeah, well, he's playing God. He is. And some might say John does the same thing. They're, like, the opposites, but the same. Exactly. (laughs) Two sides of the same coin. Um, Background characters. I think... You know, the background characters, like, we don't really learn a lot about them, but in a way that's okay. Yeah, I don't need to learn a lot about them. Yeah, like, the people that you know, I know know that Addie has a history of diabetes in her family. And I know that his last name is Bourbon. And, like, that furthers the plot. (laughs) It does. And no one is there in a, like, they serve as exposition because you're like, oh, these are, like, co-workers. Mm -hmm. But they're not there just for that, which I feel like other movies have kind of fallen into sometimes. Yeah. Jill. Jill Tuck, <laughs> anyone? Um, and we kind of already talked about it, but the baddie. We kind of, we have, there are multiple baddies in this movie. There's so many baddies. Because you have Hoffman, who is kind of like the big bad. Yeah. But then you also have William Easton. Who's? Who, he's bad. a baddie in his own right. So I think that's fun. It is fun. I think it's fun when you're rooting for the person who is killing people. Yeah, I like when you have two bad guys going up against each other. And you're rooting for the one that's, like, less bad. Yeah. Or bad, but in a more ethical way. (laughs) Also in a fun way. (laughs) He has some creativity. There's a whimsy. There's a whimsy. There's a flair. There's a flair for the dramatics, and we can appreciate and respect that. Um, so what would we give characters out of five? I'm, I'm always going to give it a five. Five out of five. <laughs> yeah. Five out of five Hoffmans. Yeah. Ha, 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 Um, scare factor. How scary was it? What would our chances of survival be? And are the deaths and kills creative? I think, again, like we were saying, that this movie has some of the best traps. I think the shotgun carousel is one of the coolest ones. They love shotguns in this franchise. They really do. 
to throw a shotgun on it. They said every movie we're gonna have a, at least one <laughs> shotgun theme trap. Yeah, there's a budget for shotguns. No, like for big sure. shotgun is like funding these movies. Check big pharma off next to big shotgun. We need to take a look at big shotgun. <laughs> We need to take a look, Big Shotgun. That's a line that Hoffman says in the movie. We're just reading from quotes. Nobody's talking about Big Shotgun. No one wants to talk about Big Shotgun anymore. Um. Yeah, no, great, great traps. I think, yeah. like, some of the best in the franchise, for sure. We already said our chances of, of survival low. would be low. Very low. Which makes it scary. Yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. Hey, look, I'm scared. What are we thinking? I would say four or five. That's five. A five. The traps are good. The traps are very good. Four? I think a four. 3.5? I'm, I'm comfortable with four. Four, four is good. Because I'm like, it is scary, but it's not like scary. Yeah. They're just creative. They're very creative, and we would not have a good chance of survival. No. And like some of them are really gnarly. Like the acid one, gross. Is I think one of the grossest yeah. in the whole franchise. He's just dissolved. We just see that happen. He just turns to goo right before our eyes. I can't stress that enough. He's literally He's just liquefied. <laughs> he goo. Um, acting. Was it good? Was it bad? Was it so bad that it transcended and became perfect? Yes. <laughs> to all. To all. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because we get the very, like, porny acting. Incredible. Of Pamela Jenkins and, and Jill Tuck. Which also, their names just also sound like adult film this entertainers. This is what I'm saying. I just, it was almost like they got partway through and they're like, are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? Are just going to do like a little spinoff while we're here? And it's like, yeah, you should. So we have that acting. Yeah. We also have Costas Mandalore pouting. Which is an acting choice. That's his style. Yeah. And we're on board for it. Yeah. Um, so that's an acting choice. We have, like, the background actors in their, like, traps truly fighting for their lives. For their lives, yeah. They're selling it. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I don't know. It's, it, all of it. It's good, it's bad, and it's so transcendent. It's transcendent. <laughs> what would we give it out of five saws? I don't know. This one's tough. It is tough. I would... I would be comfortable with, like, a three. I think a three is good. Middle of the road. It wasn't bad. It was bad. It was bad. And it was great. And so I feel like it kind of balances out. Exactly. Good. Exactly. <laughs> and it's fine. And, and that's ultimately, what we want. it's fine. And then last, we have aesthetic. So... This can be the setting, the quality of special effects, the editing, and um, certain stylistic choices. This one didn't have, like, anyone being thrown through a two-way mirror. No, so. there were no sick transitions. Um, I did make a note of there was some questionable CGI. Oh, the arm. Of Simone's um, lack of arm, to say the 
for lack of a better word, I guess, when she's for in the hospital, for lack of a better arm, when she's in the hospital after she's had to cut her arm off. Um, it's very obviously CGI'd and it and really... she's kind of like waving it around. She's just waving her stump <laughs> around and it really just threw me off because normally the they don't rely on CGI in the yeah. movies and so that really kind of took me out of it and for the practical minute. effects are like always so always good. so good so that was a, that it was obvious like it was yeah. it was apparent yeah <laughs> CGI and I don't know why they felt the need to do yeah. that um the setting an abandoned who's zoo who's doing a like song I mean come on and set at the Toronto Zoo they said you have. <laughs> You've seen it all. Abandoned warehouses, abandoned bathrooms. Abandoned meatpacking factories. <laughs> now wait for it. A zoo. <laughs> Hoff bought a zoo. He bought a zoo. Um, yeah, and then they don't really get crazy with the filters. Um, there are a couple flashback scenes that are very blue-green and then another <laughs> one that's very yellow. Very yellow. Um, so, you know, kind of keeping up there with their usual choices, but... Definitely a more subdued movie in terms of uh, effects. All their choices. <laughs> and certain stylistic choices. So um, I would say like a two. Yeah. Honestly, because the CGI arm. Threw us off. The two for that. <laughs> I'm just like already anticipating Saw 3D and this section. Yeah. For aesthetics. Oh, that was another fun fact that I learned while I was preparing for this episode is that Saw 6 was initially supposed to be shot in 3D. (laughs) That's why she was waving her crazy arm around. It was initially supposed to be shot in 3D, but the timing didn't end up working out. And like basically the script had already been written and then they're like, hey, it's going to be shot in 3D. And the writers were like, um, we didn't really prepare for that. And so then they're like, okay, the next one then. (laughs) Got it. And boy, do we. And boy, do we. Um, yeah, well, we were talking about this, but just, like, the the 3D movie moment Sweeping the nation. that happened in the late 2000s was truly cuckoo bananas. Like, the Jonas Brothers concert movie <laughs> was in 3D. And it had to be. It, no, it did. <laughs> it had to be. But, like, that's how... Wasn't the One Direction one also in 3D? Yes. This Is Us? Like, yep. Late to early like late 2000s to mid 2010s 3d was truly the biggest it's thing like they realized they could do that yeah. and then it was like well what's the point of not doing why would we ever do anything else so stay tuned for that stay tuned <laughs> um so what would we give saw 6 2009 overall out of five saws part of me wants to say four yeah. But I then at the same time don't think it's on the same level as we felt about Saw 4. Yeah, because like so far we've given Saw 1, also saw. just known Saw, known as Saw, and Saw 4. Four, four saws. saws. And like I think Saw 6 is very good, but I don't, like you said, I didn't. It's not. I don't have that same excitement that I no. had after we watched Saw no. 4. Like, nothing, like, truly, and I know a lot of people don't like that movie. There is something so chaotic and wonderful about Saw 4. And this is, like, close. It is. But I was in, to me, it's, like, three, three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half, for sure. But it's close to four. Yeah, like, if we could do, like, a 3.75 on Letterboxd, that's probably where this would be. Yeah. Because I do think it's great. 
I think it's yeah. one of the best. I'm very excited for us to rank all of them at yeah. the end. Because um, obviously we have like some very clear front runners right now. <laughs> um, and some very clear um, bottom of the barrel ones. Yeah. But yeah, no, Saw 6, three and a half out of five. I think that's, I'm comfortable with that. It's time for the namesake. It's our honestly moments. And the moment that I'm always most prepared for. I'd love for you Start to go off. first. Oh no! <laughs> okay, I'm gonna shock you. And I have a positive honestly. I don't have an honestly that's kind of poking fun. No, I have an honestly that's... That's great. It's a positive honestly. Yeah. And that is, you know, like we hee hee ha ha about these movies, but it's we because we love them. Yes. It's because we literally love these movies we more than anything. We love. But... The voice recognition scene mm. is so well done yeah. with Pop freaking out in the background mm -hmm. as right now you're feeling helpless is playing on loop. Yeah. That's great. It, it's very good. That's great to have someone like losing their mind while their own voice is going right now and you're feeling, feeling helpless. helpless in the background. And I'll give that an honestly. Honestly. That was a pretty cool scene. I think no. it builds the tension very well. No, I was going to say, that is a very stressful scene to yeah. watch because, like, you're, like, sitting there, like, oh, my God, like, are they going to figure this out? And, like, he's right there, and then they do figure it out, and then he kills them yeah. all. You're, like, watching him be cornered. Like, yeah, he, like a wild animal. There's a part where he, like, pours himself a cup of coffee, and then he walks over, and Erickson's talking to him. And is saying like, oh, it's maybe Strom like tried to frame you. And he puts down his cup of coffee like, yes. But then the second Erickson is like, but that doesn't make sense. He picks back his cup of coffee. He's like, oh, I will need that to throw in someone's face. And I just think that's a great scene. That's so good. No, I think that's a great honesty moment because like, Honestly, Honestly, they popped off with that. Right now you're feeling helpless. And he was. And he was. And he freaked out and he killed everyone. He freaked the freak and out. And he stomped up the stairs. He scurried up the stairs. That's my honestly moment. That's really good. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. My honestly moment, in case you were wondering, that I just am thinking of now, is when John says, Piranha. Piranha. <laughs> That's the best honestly moment actually that because you could ever have. That made me go honestly. <laughs> and we were already cracking up at that. But then when we went back to like find that scene to just send each other, yeah. it was made better by William just going John in the background. Like he's over it. Piranha. Piranha. John. John. <laughs> John. Just so exhausted, so exacerbated, just over this man. John. John. Like, how many times was he in that office already <laughs> talking about the piranhas? Piranha. Do you know Piranha. anything about the Chinese? <laughs> no, we've discovered that the same energy mm -hmm. of those two scenes. Yeah. There's John saying, Piranha. Piranha. And then there's one Strom's interrogating Jill. And she goes, do you know anything about the Chinese zodiac? And he goes, no, Jill, no. <laughs> Same energy as John. 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 Piranha. 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 Why did he say it like that? Tohan <sighs> Bell, if you're listening, and I and know God, you I are. I hope you are. We would love to have you on the pod. 
just to answer that one question, was it your choice to say piranha like that? Or was that in the script? Or was that an artistic choice that you, as a thespian, took? Because we need to know. Because I think that was just, it was so incredible. It's so, it's become the most important thing to us. Yeah. True. A highlight from the entire franchise. Do we have any final thoughts about this great film? Um, I, I think it's, I think it's really solid. I think it's solid and it's especially great after Saw 5. Which we do not like. <laughs> Which we famously are not fans of. Um, I no. think it gets us back into be like, see? Yeah. These have it. <laughs> I feel like Saw 4 was crazy in a good way. Yes. And then Saw 5 was crazy. Derogatory. <laughs> derogatory. And then Saw 6, they're like, okay, let's, let's get serious <laughs> again, people. Yeah. And they kind of like righted themselves. Um, which I appreciate. Me too. I, um, yeah, I think it's it's good. And I can't believe we're six movies in. I know. We're coming to we're the end. We're more than halfway through. Whoa, we're halfway there. So, yeah, we are, we're now into the back half of the season. <laughs> How exciting. And then we'll get to wrap it all up at the end. Yeah, that'll be a really fun episode. Um, do you have any more final thoughts? I just think Hoff supremacy. <laughs> um, great to see him being crazy. Yeah. And stomping around. That's what we want in a film. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. That is. Every Saw film <laughs> needs to have someone being crazy and stomping around. And good news. We found just the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's a solid one. Mm-hmm. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. And I thoroughly enjoy um, watching the next one. Yes. We haven't watched it yet, but I thoroughly I enjoy um, watching the next one. <laughs> and so do I. And also with you. <laughs> um, anyway, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd at HonestlyPod. And facebook.com slash honestlypod. You can email us at thehonestlypodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Um, you can visit our website, which is honestlypod.ca. Dot C-A. Oh, Canada. Canada. Um, go check it out. It's very cool. Lots of fun stuff to look at. We also have merchandise for merchandise. Yes, we do. You can go to the website and there will be a link there. Or you can go to honestlypod.threadless.com. Look at our goodies. Our goodies. Our goodies. goodies. Um, yeah, go check it out. Lots, lots to see. Lots to see. Um, buy something. <laughs> Please. I don't know. Something to consider. Um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Potable, Pocket Casts. Period. Period. Maybe somewhere else. Ellipses. I don't know. Probably some other places, but those are the main ones. So, yeah. Check Um, us out. Check us out if you're not already. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and if you leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can leave written reviews these days, send us a screenshot of it to our aforementioned website. Nope. Email or address. Or, the, you know what? <laughs> you can get to there. You can get a hold of us. Send us a screenshot of it and we'll send you some limited edition Honestly Pod stickers. They're so limited. She don't even know. You don't even know. No. No. <laughs> no. It's the second Jonas Brothers reference I've made this episode. Is that it? You said it couldn't be done. That's all. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Here we are.